Hey guys, what's up? It's Greg with another episode of Flick City. This installment is going to be a very brief one, quick one. It's an interview with Michael Lombardi, who you might know as one of the main, the principal actors of the FX series Rescue Me, that firefighting firefighter series headlined by Dennis Leary back in the day. He played Proby on that show. So if you were a fan of FX's Rescue Me, you definitely know what Michael Lombardi, who Michael Lombardi is and what he is all about. What he is all about these days is being a director as well as an actor. He does both jobs along with being a producer for this new film called The Retaliators. Now, The Retaliators, the genre is described as horror, mystery, and thriller. I'm going to also add drama for for a big reason, and I'm going to say that right now. Let me look. I'm looking right now at the plot summary here. Rotten Tomatoes right now, as, as of this recording, it has 94% rating from 15 critics. I'm not a Rotten Tomato critic, but I would give this movie three and a half out of five stars. This is a solid recommend. It starts off with some uh, seemingly uh, these two teenage girls, I believe they're in a van or something. I, I saw this movie about a couple of weeks ago, and you see them being attacked by what looks to be, you're thinking, are these rabid people? Are they zombies? You might think it might be a little bit of a zombie film. And then you see Lombardi. Yeah, I believe he's bloodied and he's warning one of the girls to get out of the vehicle. And when she doesn't, things happen. Let's just say it's a very explosive beginning. And then it cuts to Lombardi's character. Lombardi Lombardi plays a pastor who is understandably grieving the death of his daughter, played by Katie Kelly. And he realizes that he uh, he goes through this criminal underworld to find out who was the culprit behind his daughter's murder. And Mark Menchaca, he plays a a cop, an investigator. I believe I believe he's a detective. Mark Menchaca, you might know him from Ozark. He's very good in Ozark. But Mark Menchaca plays a detective who ultimately is investigating what's going, investigating the death of the pastor's daughter as well. Now, while the policeman played by Menchaca, he is a seemingly upstanding lawman, the pastor, who is obviously pious and devout, he's a devout member of the faith, Faith, he is a leader of this faith, obviously his faith is tested by the killing. So ultimately this becomes a revenge movie against the killer of his daughter. But what's interesting about this movie is for for a brief spell, it is a drama where it's a character building drama about this pastor's torment and his yeah, he's trying to come, he's coming to grips with his spirituality and his faith, as well as trying to do the right thing by his daughter and trying to, whether he's wondering whether to actually seek vengeance, meek out, not meek out, seek out justice for his daughter's killer, or should he stay on the right, quote unquote, righteous path and continue to be a pastor and and uh, administer to his flock and not do bad things. Well, this is a horror thriller. I'm assuming you might know what's going to happen. But I don't want to give too much away. The reason why this, The Retaliators, it works as a character-building drama for a while, a slow-build one, and then the third act, when it kicks when it kicks into gear and a lot of things unfold. There, And I mention, it's not a, it's not a big spoiler, I, I mention a couple things in the interview regarding a maze-like situation. That's a really well done sequence. There's a reason why I mentioned the maze and uh, the underground. It's sort of a labyrinth kind of thing. Uh, you'll, it's not too much of a spoiler. That's a big visual spectacle, visual, vis, visual set piece in, 
in this movie. And yeah, the way it's employed is really awesome. So yeah, what starts off as a slow build revenge drama turns into some completely something crazy and different towards the end. And yeah, I down the down the line, I actually want another a sequel to The Retaliators. For me, again, three and a half out of five. That's a solid recommend for me. Worth watching in theaters if you have some friends. Yeah, and it's just a total ride. Especially the only thing is just get through. If you're not a big drama fan, you're going to be saying, "Okay, well, let's get let's get to the story." Okay, we're we're getting the story. Where's where's the action? Where's the action? Don't worry. <laughs> your money, your the money will work for you towards the third act. It really, really works. Okay, so yeah, this is so again. Here's my interview with Michael Lombardi. A couple other cinematics news. I have an. I'm going to see Anderson this week. We will be doing. We will be previewing the rest of this month as far as movies coming out for the week of what is this week? The week of September 26th. No, September 16th, September 23rd, and I don't even know if there's a September 30th. So anyways, we will be previewing the final several weeks of this month of movies. We want to see maybe some of these movies I've already seen. There's a couple of movies that when I meet Anderson, I'll be able to actually review as well. Okay, so I'll be seeing Anderson. I'll be releasing our next Cinematics episode later this week. But until then, here is my interview with Michael Lombardi. If you see The Retaliators, we'd love to hear what you think of this movie as well. Also, for our Patreon members, we are covering the year 1977, and Anderson is covering the movie Bloody Sunday, which I've never... Actually, he said Black Sunday. I was going to say Black Sunday, okay? And my choice is a movie called The Goodbye Girl. I've not seen either movie. I believe Black Sunday is directed by John Frankenheimer, a director... I completely, I tell everyone that I love, and <laughs> there are some movies from director John Frankenheimer years later I still have not seen, one of them being Black Sunday, the other one is a movie, I think it was made in 63 or 64, 65, one of those years, starring Burt Lancaster called The Train, which I hear is a great, great movie, but anyways, we'll have, a, for our Patreon listeners, we will have some really good conversations regarding Black Sunday, again, that's Anderson's choice, and my choice is the Goodbye Girl. I believe it's based on a Neil Simon play or screenplay. I don't know yet. I haven't started watching it. And it stars Marsha Mason and Richard Dreyfus. And I remember this movie being one of Dreyfus's and Mason's, I think it's one of their signature roles and one of Simon's signature films. Currently, it's streaming on HBO Max. All right, guys. Talk to you guys in couple days with me and Anderson talking for more cinematics. Thanks for supporting us here on the show and enjoy this interview with Michael Lombardi. Take care, guys. Bye. Luke 18, verse 3. Here's a parable about a woman seeking vengeance for a wrongdoer who victimized her and then escaped justice. But Jesus tells us when a sinner goes unpunished, he is only free from man's law. When man's law fails... God's law prevails. Mr. Bishop, Mr. Bishop! Hold it! Mr. Bishop, Detective Sawyer, I'm sorry about your loss, Pastor. Don't think this was a case of road rage. Sarah was found with her hands zip tied to the steering wheel. I'm acquainted with this sort of hurt. I know the futility. How'd you get through it? I got healed. I'm going to tell you about an opportunity I was once given, and I'm going to offer you that same opportunity. I've got the guy, John. How'd you like one minute? 
one minute alone. John, I want to introduce you to the man who murdered your daughter. It's time for you to heal, John. My only rule is you can't kill him. Count the moments. He stole from your Sarah. No turning back, John. You can't find your own brother. Look harder. This isn't you. You're scaring me. Daddy, you okay? Who the hell are you guys? Where's my brother? Come on! She fought harder than you do! I, you know, honestly, it's a 10 minute interview. All they want to do is talk spoilers with you, but I'm just going to start right off the top uh, uh, regarding Bishop. Just the physical exertion, not just the creative exertion, but with you uh, being one of the filmmakers and the lead actors, lead actor, but what was the physical, uh, just the grueling physical nature of doing this movie? What did it seem as hard as it looked on screen? Yeah, you know, thanks so much, man. I, I I appreciate your time and and the question. You know, it was it was really physically demanding. I, I like to think of myself as a physical actor. I'd like to try to stay in shape. And you know, I was on a television show called Rescue Me for a long time, which was about New York City firefighters. So that was pretty physically demanding. It was on the FX network, and our uh, one of the stunt the stunt coordinator that I brought on this movie, his name is Norman Douglas. He did stunts on Rescue Me. So we were able to be able to work together again. We did a lot of, put a lot of effort into choreography, but, you know, we shot in the woods. It was 19 degrees, several nights, you know, fighting. And there was the Joe Gad who plays the bad guys, like 200 and something pounds. He's a house. He threw me all around. Definitely a lot of bumps, bruises, fake sticky blood, but at the end of the day, dude, it's, you know, I'm doing what I love to do. So I'm not complaining by any means, you know? Yeah. On a narrative level, can you just talk about uh, setting up the story and making sure the world was built well enough so eventually when that third act happens, everything just goes a different turn without giving too much away? Was that always intended and was that a big draw for you regarding why this story works for you on a personal level? 100% yes. You know, what appealed to me about the script, lots of things jumped out at me. And again, we have the Spielbergian, be small town, beautiful beginning, or a Dante Gremlinsy-esque town, right? Then we go into this slow burn. Elements of Sin City jumped out at me. Death Wish, uh, crime thrillers, um, drama more than horror, you know? And I love the slow burn, and I love the opportunity to act. That's my passion, and I love the character for that. Then we get into this crazy Tarantino-esque third act where everything blows up, uh, sort of like you could you could wink at Evil Dead, Ash and Evil Dead. So that was another really fun aspect of it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think this is a fun, I hope it is for people, a fun popcorn movie. But there is story, you know, 
And there are elements of morality, religion, and justice. And there are things to sort of talk about. It's a little thought-provoking as well. So that really turned me on to. Speaking of turning me on to acting, you have Mark Menchaca. You know it's going to be a great performance. That's number one. My personal surprise is Jacoby's work. Can you you just talk about – I think that segment really uh, just really adds a lot of layers to your narrative. Can you just talk about his his performance? Uh, Wow. So He's amazing. And, you know, here's the deal. We have a lot of cameos from musicians in this movie. Jacoby was amazing in the movie, and I think all the musicians were. Now, I have to say, when Alan Kovac, who is the CEO of a company called Better Noise Music, and he's the founder of the company, he represents all these bands, Motley Crue, Five Finger Death Punch, Papa Roach, Ice Nine Kills, Eva Under Fire, and on and on, over 40 incredible bands. We talked about... Like I said, this film has a a wink at the 80s for me, and I wanted to have it have a feeling of whether it be Lost Boys or uh, 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 Judgment Night or The Crow or all these movies that I love, 70s, 80s, 90s. So he's like, let's do this. So one of our goals was actually the main goal for me was to put these musicians in but in a very non-gratuitous manner where you would think if you weren't a fan of papa roach you'd say hey this guy's a pretty good actor and it's jacoby shaddix you might find out holy cow that guy's the lead singer of this band and i tried i really the goal was to do that with all of them i think they're incredible in the film i definitely spoke with all of them on the phone long before they arrived at set we talked about where we were casting them what their parts were and they came to play man they they came ready Full-blown, they jumped right into their characters. They knew their point of views, their objectives in the scene. And I thought they were all tremendous. Speaking of tremendous, I thought without giving too much away regarding the story structure, but there is an architectural design regarding sort of, I don't even know if it's a, a cave or a lair. How did one find, how does one find that or build it out? Because that was very elaborate. Yeah, we did both. We found something that we really liked. We had this in mind for a long time, like where Jed, Jed's Lear was, you know, with these subhumans. And and uh, we shot at this place called the Palace of Depression in New Jersey. And that's where a lot of those crazy little hallways were, those spooky hallways. And a part, a thing that was really important in the script is when Jed takes my character Bishop, they go down these long hallways and stairs. If you're going into this crazy underworld, because you want to feel trapped down there. So we shot at that place and then we recreated the main like stage. We put it, we did it in an airplane hangar. We built like a fake cave and sort of had a lot of the scenes happen in there because we couldn't stay downstairs. It wasn't practical with the crew, but we did shoot one of the full scenes there actually. And it's the one when Mark Menchaca's character brings me down and he says, is this the guy, you know, in that scene where we're sort of circling the tools that was in the real place. And he and I just sort of, he's such a great actor because to bring him up again, we did this amazing like dance with one another. It was just our cameraman, Joe Hennigan. He's amazing, the DP. And you have to feel the camera come around and just sort of move and act and play. And it was a lot of fun to do. I got to ask, have there been any thoughts regarding this story is not going to end a possible sequel? Because I, I, I enjoyed this movie so much. I, I just wanted sort of this kind of narrative to continue. Or is that not even in the ether yet? Dude, it's pretty much written. <laughs> it, it's the, the, the writers have been, they've been going at this. 
you know, it's uh, we've talked a lot about it throughout me and the writers and, and, and they, they have, you know, they've birthed this thing and it's been like a family member to me the last three years. And there's a lot of cool places where this can go. So, you know, fingers are crossed. We had such a fun time making this thing that fingers are crossed for myself that, you know, a few people like it and maybe it catches on a bit and we're able to do another one. That's so awesome. My final question to you is just, you know, growing up as a cinephile, right off the top of your head, can you name one of your all-time favorite movies? You, I mean, you mentioned Kremlins and so many great uh, movies during this interview, but um, what is one of your favorite movies and what is it about the specific film that still resonates with you as an adult? Okay, so I'll tell you this. I, I like Three or four come to mind, but I'm going to tell you one that blew my mind and always freaks me out, Jaws. Uh, I remember going, uh, like, whether I went to the theater to probably see a, re- you know, like a, a theater. So I think when I went, um, it was, you know, uh, replaying and uh, it, it was, a, a you know, a re-release and it freaked me out. And I know that's true of so many people. But what I loved was, you know, when I'm in a pool right now, a freaking kid's pool, I see the shark's POV of my legs. You know what I mean? Because it was so scary. So I think uh, obviously all the characters and the way that you don't see the shark. And I know that was a mistake. I know you're a cinephile, so you probably know the shark wasn't working for Spielberg. So so that's why you don't see it through the movie and how effective that score was. Dun, 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 dun. because you he, he couldn't get the shark to work so the, the score became that danger and speaking of scores we had kyle dixon and michael stein of stranger things for our movie which meant a tremendous amount to me because the wink at the 80s we're talking about it the music supports the scenes in the movie so much so you know the shining was another one we could go way into that if we're talking you know i think and i consider jaws a horror movie you know the shining was a big one it follows for for more of a modern one Whew. Love that movie so much. That was like a little film festival indie gem that blew up too. So I can go on and on. I mean, of course, Spielberg. I mean, man, E.T., come on. You know, all those uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I grew up on that stuff. And that's why, like, I think everything I do, I I directed and produced a bunch of music videos um, to support the movie. They, like, cross roads with the movie. And all of mine have sort of a grindhousey or a throwback sort of like 80s feel on them, 70s, 80s. That's just the stuff that I love and I want to continue to do, you know, and, and hopefully expand and really make it my own. But that's what inspires me. Michael, really love this film. Thank you so much for your time. And more, more Robert Burke in your movies, please, down the road. Yeah, baby. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Take care, buddy. Be good. Take care, man.